Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? It is, as we record this, the Monday after Easter, so I am exhausted. Yep. I know you are too, and, and Elliot, who is not on a microphone, has been working very diligently. And not only that, Elliot um, uh, has been helping schools put uh, put their musical on display. And so we are, we are in a good season. I feel like it's a good tired for all of us, but man, I'm wiped out. And uh, we had a phenomenal Holy Week and Easter experience, and it was so encouraging. Our our sanctuary had more people in it than it has had since COVID, and uh, it was just so fun uh, to proclaim the the glory of the resurrection and to look again to the cross. And um, Jordan, I just want to say thank you to you for all the work you put into making our From Palm Sunday to Passover experience happen. That was so rich and so edifying and um, so wonderful. And so we put that out on this podcast as well. And so I, uh, I was just sharing with Jordan before we started recording that, uh, I got to listen to it while I was mowing my yard and, uh, man, what a great job. You, you really helped us understand, um, the, the journey of Holy Week from the Jewish perspective and really increased the risk, the richness of the week for me personally. And I know for many other people. So thanks for that. Well, thank you. Yes, yes sir. And thank you uh, from everybody just for all the effort that you put into multiple sermons, multiple extra sermons for Holy Week. I mean, that's huge. Just thank you for that. Well, thank you. It's it's so fun. It it is so fun when you feel like you are you are functioning and you're gifting and what God has called you to do. That's just there's nothing like it. And so we've had so many people doing that from our from our Good Friday service. I mean, my goodness. The, the, the choir and orchestra right now are, so, I mean, they're filling up the stage and it's so beautiful. And again, we're talking about coming back after COVID and, and all those folks in the choir loft and all those folks playing in the orchestra, using what God has given them to glorify him and to, to bless us is so beautiful. So thank you to everybody who participated in any way. The Easter egg hunt we had, you know, Lauren Parrish leading our children's ministry and, and all the volunteers that it took. I think we put out 8,000 eggs. Oh, I mean, it was thousands of eggs. It was, it was, it was amazing. We had a great petting zoo and uh, I made a new friend, Lenny, the baby goat. And uh, Lenny, I need a baby goat at my house, man. And uh, he was so cool, but just, I'm, I'm just so thankful for, for a great Holy Week and Easter celebration. Absolutely, Jeff. And that'll take us into our prayer partners initiative for this week. So listeners, you pick a partner, you pray daily for them, and then you connect weekly with them. Jeff and I are connecting for this week today. So Jeff, in one word, how are you? Uh, exhilarated, excited, and exhausted. I'll, I'll alliterate it as a good Baptist preacher ought to. <laughs> um, so I gave you three words instead of one, but um, just just so thankful for uh, all that God has revealed to us as we have seen his glory on display in a lot of different ways. I'm so thankful to get to be in the baptistry and we'll be in the baptistry, Lord willing, again this Sunday. And wow. um, God is moving in people's lives and they are taking steps of obedience to trust and follow Jesus. And And I can tell you, um, I know personally, every one of us to take that next step of obedience in following Jesus, whatever it may be, can be daunting. 
Um, but I can tell you from my experience and in the experience of so many others that when we, when we take that step and we no longer allow fear to bind us and we take that step of faith, there's always blessing in it. And so very excited to, to be back in the water this week and, and with so many people who are just taking their next steps of faith with Jesus. All right, Jordan, I'll let you use more than one word if you'd like, because I did. Um, but how are you? Thankful. I'm just, I'm just going to stick with the one because I'm very thankful. Uh, I had some family members in a minor car accident this weekend. Everyone's okay. Uh, and the, uh, the other car was okay. Um, but we, I mean, they were, they were there, we were meeting them at a park. So I was there, I, you know, ran up, saw how they were doing. And someone from our church, yep. Al and Edna drove by and saw it. And then Al came back and to check on how everyone was doing. So yeah. not only am I thankful to God that my whole family is okay. We're all okay, but also that we have people in this community, in this church, like Alan Edna, who will circle back and help people. Well, so what's funny is my family and I were the last ones here, yeah. and I mean, literally, we're we're shutting off lights and all that, and we're taking some pictures. Um, and I get a text from Al saying Jordan Upton is standing on the road next to a wreck, and something's going on. So I was able to text you. And so it's really cool to have a faith family. And mm-hmm. I'm so thankful to hear that your family's okay and um, that you were there and, and um, God just kind of allowed it all to come together to work out very well and uh, pray for no re- residual soreness is what I'm praying for because um, sometimes that can happen. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So Jeff, what is God teaching you right now? God is teaching me that he moves according to his sovereign will and the world belongs to him and ultimately uh, he is in control. And um, while there are certainly things that we cannot understand, things we do not understand because he is infinite and we are finite, um, I'm just thankful to be under his care. What's God teaching you, Jordan? Yeah. I would say the power of positivity. And what I mean by that is that words really do matter, especially biblically. Mm-hmm. So God created all of creation through words. Mm-hmm. And you know his words are creative. And on some level, he has created us as, I guess you could say, sub-creators. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, we're in his image with creative ability, for sure. Yeah, especially as a parent, it's good to be cognizant of your words and be careful with your words that you're speaking to your spouse and to your children. Yeah. I'm really trying to work on saying positive things and not just not just you know happy-go-lucky positivity all the time. It's like, am I only speaking blessing or am I saying things that are blessings and curses? Yeah. You know, is it is it right that my tongue says both? I'm really trying to work on only saying good things, constricting the power of my tongue to only say positive things and only say good things that bring blessing into the world. And that's so powerful and such a powerful teaching, particularly right now. And so many of us grew up hearing sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And our parents taught us that as a defense mechanism because mm-hmm. everybody knows that words can hurt far greater than sticks and stones. And so what a powerful lesson. Thanks for sharing that with us because I think all of us benefit from uh, from that teaching. So thanks for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not taking credit for that. That's coming from Mark Kenzer. So I just well, want to go. recognize him there. And Jeff, last of all, how can I pray for you? Pray for just rest and clarity and wisdom 
you know, again, uh, today is my son's 15th birthday. Wow. And I am finding that uh, time, all those old people were right, time passes quickly. And I can remember when, when my son was your son's age. And, man, it just goes. And so trying to soak up the, the last remaining time, because they say as quickly as these last years have gone, these next few go even faster. So yeah. um, the opportunity to just really create some lasting memories and teach some lasting lessons. You know, um, when you watch your son reach the stage of becoming a man where he's going to have to parent himself. He's going to have to make an independent moral decision. You know, I heard one time uh, a college commencement speaker of, I heard of a college commencement speaker who said, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how great your intellect is, how much money you make, or how, you know, how many opportunities you get. If you can't make an independent moral decision, it won't matter anyway. Wow. And so we're really trying to teach him as he pursues all the opportunities that are before him, uh, how to make those independent moral decisions, uh, because that's vitally important. And so um, just wisdom and and <laughs> not to go back to a, a movie from the 80s, but how to, how to carpe the diem, how to seize <laughs> the day uh, with my children and my family and to, to really be a blessing, as you have said. How can we pray for you, Jordan? Yeah. Yeah, just for my family. Uh, they, thank God again, they're all well. Uh, just minor, you know, recovering from soreness and such, such. That's what's on my mind at the moment. So, well, we can definitely do that, and of course, we'll continue to pray for your bride and uh, and your kids. And just so excited for what God's doing in the life of your family. Thank you, thank yes, you, sir. So we're coming off of Easter weekend. So our passage this week is Luke twenty four thirteen through thirty five. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back and said that they had seen a vision of angels, who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going to go farther, and they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. 
and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Okay, so there's a lot in there, and we'll get to some of the the bigger Easter themes here. But I just want to start with the simple question, why didn't the disciples recognize Jesus? That's a great question, and I will give you a very simple answer, because God did not allow them to. And so some of the things that we see in the, in the resurrection, uh, we see disciples of Jesus who knew Jesus very well um, not recognizing him. And that has been cause for concern for some people like, well, well, why wouldn't they recognize him? So we think, for example, about Mary Magdalene in John's gospel as she encounters Jesus but thinks he's the gardener. And there have been people who have said, well, there's proof that that, that wasn't really Jesus or, or this is all a contrived story. It's all made up. There's... Um, there's proof. And if we think about the context, it's really not that big of a stretch to say, oh, she didn't recognize him. Number one, uh, she thinks the body of her Lord's been stolen. So she's probably a little frantic. She's probably um, what we might call ugly crying, like just (laughs) remarkably grieved. Um, She's just had an encounter with angels. Uh, she, She doesn't understand what's going on. She thinks that the body of her Lord has been stolen, and she's probably tore all to pieces. So I'd imagine when she heard a dude talking to her, she probably didn't get a great look at his face. The other thing, though, is this. Think about the condition of Jesus's body when he was put into the tomb. And for those of us who've grown up watching Jesus movies, uh, the greatest story ever told, for example, was on a couple times over the weekend uh, because it was Easter weekend. And while I'm thankful they made that movie, watching it was painful for me. Because first of all, here's Jesus, a, you know, a British white guy uh, <laughs> who was neither British nor white. And um, it was just so... Bad. <laughs> I, I, I can't help but say it that way. Um, but when we when we look at the crucifixion, you know, oh, Jesus has a couple of little drops of blood coming from the crown of thorns, mm-hmm. and that was not the case. Think think Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion. Think of as the as the servant songs from Isaiah would say, he was marred beyond human semblance. He didn't look like a person anymore. I mean, so so this this body that they put into the tomb was a bloody pulp. Skin removed from the back, skin removed likely from the buttocks, uh, from the, the scourging that he endured. Just, just a mess. That's the image of Jesus that's in their mind. And now they're seeing Jesus who has only scars on his hands, feet, and side. So they're not in the frame of mind to see the Jesus they've always known. It's not that he wasn't recognizable. But compared to what they saw put into the tomb, he wasn't recognizable. So, um, but particularly with Cleopas and the other disciple who were on their way to Emmaus, I mean, the Bible tells us God kept them from recognizing him. So, uh, I, I think that's the answer. Um, just as God prevented people from, at various other points in the gospel, from understanding everything that Jesus was saying or doing. Um, it was within the sovereign purpose of Almighty God to keep them from recognizing Jesus. And I want you to think about 
how <laughs> the the account of the disciples on the road to Emmaus would have been so different had they seen, oh, hey, Jesus, you know, we would not have benefited from it through Scripture the way that we have. So I think that was part of God's purpose. But, of course, I'm not going to claim to be able to climb into the mind of God um, and, and give us all of his purpose. But, yeah, the reason they couldn't recognize him is because God kept them from recognizing him for his purpose. Yeah, and that explanation makes me think of the story of Joseph with his brothers. I oh, mean, yeah. It's not like they hadn't seen him before, right, like all growing up with him. But right. You know, several years later, they didn't recognize him when he was in Egyptian garb leading Egypt because Joseph is sold into slavery. He's not leading Egypt. Um, exactly. And 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 either he's serving somewhere or dead. Right. You know? Um, so, yeah, that's that's a great correlation. Yeah, yeah. So that'll take us into our next question. Why did Jesus have to die? How does his death cover our sin? So the best way to answer this question is to think about Hebrews. Um, Hebrews does a phenomenal job of, of comparing the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And one of the key words through the book of Hebrews is better, that, that Jesus is better. The, old, uh, the New Covenant is better, that, that you have the fulfillment here. Um, and in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it's very clear that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so blood has to be shed. Um, the wages of sin is death. And so to pay the price for our sin, Jesus had to die. Um, but in Hebrews chapter 9, uh, beginning with verse 15, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore he, Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with the better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf." Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to have suffered repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And then honestly, I could go ahead and read all of chapter 10 as well, because it's just so rich in explaining how this works. The, the life is in the blood. 
And so the sacrificial sacrificial system was life for life. A life has to die so that your life might be spared. Uh, you can read all about that in Leviticus chapter 16 and 17. And we think about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and the, the, the propitiatory goat, that the wrath of God is averted from us sinful people to a substitute. Uh, and that's what happened at the cross. So the wrath of God had to be satisfied. God couldn't just excuse our sin because if he did without sacrifice, then that would violate his justice. That just as God is completely merciful and loving, he's also completely just. And so those things have to work in concert with one another. So People will say, well, why didn't God just forgive us? Well, because his justice demanded that the righteous requirement of the law be fulfilled. So something had to die. In the Old Testament, that was the sacrificial system. Those were foreshadowing the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, who died once for all in our place. So so Jesus doesn't have to be sacrificed repeatedly, but his blood had to be shed. He had to give his life for our life to to appease the righteous wrath of God and pay in full the wages of our sin. Thank you. Yeah. So that'll take us into our today's listener question. Listeners, if you have a question, just go to the link in the show notes below or comment on the post below. What a great Easter season. What's the next sermon series? That's a great question. So we actually have one more message, Lord willing, coming out of Luke. And we're going to talk about Jesus's in his resurrected state, uh, his interaction with his disciples, where he helps them understand things. He, yeah. he clarifies the truth to them because they still don't get it. I'm so glad they don't get it because that makes me feel better about me. How many times do I not get it? <laughs> and so um, I'm thankful for that. We're going to look at that. And then actually I am leading a, Lord willing, leading a, a tour to the Holy Land. And we'll spend a couple of weeks there. And... Um, so we've got some great Sundays planned while I'll be out. Uh, Ricky Clark, our Minister of Music, and our music ministry will be leading us on the 23rd. So very excited about that and the service that they are they are going to lead for us. And then Pastor David Tooley will preach for us on the 30th, and then I'll be back in early May. Um, and, and honestly, I make a practice of planning sermons well in advance. And so normally by this time in the year, I would have all the sermons, titles, and texts laid out through at least the end of July. And I feel like the Lord is just leading me to leave that space open. And so our next sermon series is going to be entitled From the Holy Land. Ooh. And whatever God teaches me whatever you know whatever it is that that God impresses upon my soul and heart and 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 the group that will be there uh, as we experience these things and discuss their significance in our lives um, we're going to bring that back and share it and so I'm really looking forward to that but I have to be honest I'm a little uncomfortable with the <laughs> with the lack of precision in planning right now so um, but that's going to be the next series uh, from the Holy Land and um, I'm really excited to share the insights gleaned, again, Lord willing, from that time uh, where it all happened. I'm excited to hear them. I'm sure I speak on behalf of the listeners as well as myself that we're going to be living vicariously through you going to Israel and seeing all of these locations. Well, again, um, I've never been, and 
I'm so excited about the opportunity to be in these places and uh, even in preparing to lead the trip. Now, I'm not the tour guide. I'm the, I'm the spiritual guide. So we'll have tour guides and all that, the, the folks who will know the, the details about the land and, and things of that nature. But in preparing, just, just reading and, and watching documentaries and things of that nature, I mean, my soul has been so stirred. And uh, I cannot wait to see the places uh, where it all happened and to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, you know, just as we just came through Holy Week, you know, the potential of being in Jerusalem and walking the Via Dolorosa out to Golgotha and, and then seeing um, the tomb is empty. There's no, there's no grave for Jesus. And uh, praise be unto God, because if there were, we would have no reason to be talking today. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Absolutely. Can you pray us out for today? Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love that compelled you to send your Son to live a sinless life, to die a brutal death, and then to be raised triumphantly from the dead, victorious over all things. And we're thankful that for those of us who trust and follow Jesus, we share in his victory. Lord, what, a, what, a, what an amazing grace you have bestowed to us. And we were wretches, and you have been merciful. We're thankful for the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we pray that that profound, world-shaping truth would be the bedrock upon which we would build our lives and that we would illustrate to the world that there is a God in the heavens who loves everyone and desires all people to be saved. And so help us be instruments in your hands, Lord, to tell the story, to proclaim the story by the words that we say and the lives that we live, all for your glory and the good of the world around us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editor is Chad Walden.